Hey everyone and welcome to our first episode of Teacher Talk podcast. My name is Rianne and I've been teaching music and drama around London for the last five years. My passion is making sure that students' voices are heard through the arts. Hey everyone, my name is Jumeirah and I've been teaching history and sociology around London for about three years. My passions and areas of interest are raising the attainment gap amongst African and Caribbean students, as well as making the curriculum more diverse and inclusive. I think one of the main reasons for us, why we wanted to start this podcast, we've been speaking about it for a long time, just from sharing our stories, even though we've never worked um, together in the same school, but from having similar experiences and also having a platform that's a safe space for teachers, it's mainly black teachers' voices to be heard. No, agreed. I think that even though we haven't worked in the same schools, we've had very similar experiences, which sort of indicates that there are fundamental areas of the teaching profession that need to be looked at. Definitely. Um, And obviously need to be discussed so that we give people space to share their experiences as well. Yeah, because even though we've got, there is more black teachers now, but still black teachers only make up 3% of the teaching population. And if you think about it, even from in the borough that we went to school in, there is now more schools that have been built, um, which still means in those schools there's not enough black teachers. I think that's even been made more aware now with the fact that there's more black teachers in the profession, but also leaving the profession at the same time. Yeah, no, the teacher retention rate for black teachers um, and just my minoritized groups of teachers just generally is not is not very high and what mm. tends to happen is that even though there aren't a lot of black teachers there are areas of London where there are a lot of black students and yeah. so they're not getting the representation they need when they look at their teachers and I think that leaves a lot of them sort of disenfranchised as they cannot see themselves in positions of power Exactly. And I think it's even when you become a black teacher and I remember just even from my experiences in the classroom, really having to um, stamp my authority because there is that sense of familiarity that they have when they see um, someone that looks like them is raising the same areas of them. And it's trying to create those strong boundaries because I felt like so many times I've had to kind of reinforce myself because students do get familiar just from seeing you and I think also when we do have black staff in schools um, we're still not in positions of power so we're not um, in SLT there's not enough of us sorry in SLT but also even in the classroom it's usually someone that is support staff obviously there's nothing wrong with being support staff but as in that's kind of the highest that um, level students interact with No, agreed. I think there is a strong sense of familiarity um, that students find when they come across, like, young Black teachers. Yeah, especially when you're young, it is hard. 
yeah, I think they think like they know us already. Mm. Is this sense of like, oh, miss, we know you, like we're the same. And yes, to a certain degree, there are strong similarities between yeah. us. But simultaneously, I'm the teacher and you're the student. So there's exactly. going to need to be some boundaries. But I think, yeah, you have to make a conscious effort to lay down, lay down those boundaries. And I think the students actually respect you for it. Yeah. And they still come to you, um, mm. you know, to speak about things that are bothering them. Yeah. In school. I think it's just finding the balance between being allied with the students, but mm. still being an authority figure. Yeah, definitely. Because I think as well, we're naturally given the task of being a role model. I think when you're a black teacher, because if you think about this, especially I feel like as a black female, they see that and that's something again they can aspire to even if it's not necessarily being in the teaching profession they I think when they see us they think actually I can um be in a high role I can be seen as someone as authority even if they're going into accounting or recruitment any kind of industry they go to I think it's good that they've got us there naturally we are role models and I think that's why it's important to have us in schools as well because I think for me, going even through like my PGC experience, I literally did my PGCE straight after university. Because even from a young age, like teaching, I've always known that I've always wanted to go um, into being a teacher. But even from like my PG, PGCE and university, um, that was when I was kind of my main experience of just being the only black person in the room. And I think that's kind of just gone on for so many years and you kind of shrink yourself as well just to kind of get through it I've, I've found definitely. no definitely I think yeah we're definitely role models to the students and I think that even when I share my education experience with them like even the grades that I got for GCSE mm. A level the fact that I went to LSE the teach the kids are always like oh my gosh miss really did you yeah. how did you do that and I'm just like it can be done. You just have to work. You yeah. have to work hard. And I think because, again, they see myself and them as sort of familiar and similar people, I think it gives them a sense of, like, hope and ambition Definitely. that they could do what Miss has done. But then simultaneously with that, even with good grades and going to university, you still often do shrink yourself in particular spaces because you are the only black person yeah. and you never want to be you know that black person exactly so it's like measuring um I suppose like not measuring but like policing yourself in certain spaces so like yeah. not offend other people no I completely agree yeah shrinking ourselves in particular spaces so as yeah. not to make other people feel uncomfortable and this like constant need to police yourself yeah I even think the students pick up on it sometimes like they see you definitely like when they see you interact with particular teachers they're like well miss I sense a little bit of and I'm just like don't even worry about it yeah I think we do that because I notice I think sometimes that's why when we say it's so exhausting because you are policing yourself you're kind of watching how you are talking and how you present yourself and then even like okay subconsciously like even looking at emails and kind of sometimes even going through a sentence in your head before you speak it 
out loud because no 100% even like sending emails I yeah, often get other, this. I get other people to proofread it just to make yeah. sure you're not being passive aggressive or coming exactly. strong yeah exactly because like, they're the kind of characteristics that are thrown at us and assumed by us and I think sometimes it is hard because you think like for me I always try and be unapologetically myself like I literally um you know walk around with my pink cardigan and my bright blonde hair my Doc Martens around school because so I am unapologetic but then also at the same time I'm like right I need to still make sure I'm really presenting myself because I think that's kind of what you get told as a black child like you know think about your think about how you're representing yourself because you're always told that you're representing everyone in the but this is the thing this is the this is the thing with being like a black person it's like because of the racisms and the stereotypes that already exist you automatically become a spokesperson for other black people you automatically become the embodiment of all black people and (laughs) it's quite a weight um to be and even like with your hair and stuff like oh, that god like, you know making sure your hairstyle is not you know too black for work and i'm just yeah. like yeah but i'm black so my hairstyle is going to be you know this is actually representative of my blackness so i'm confused as to how i meant to sort of dumb that down for people exactly. but i think you're right. it's about being unapologetic but simultaneously yeah like striking the balance unfortunately yeah. and I think, you know our white counterparts have to do that in the same way I don't think they have in my opinion that um self-consciousness no. or that self-policing that we have to do I don't think they have that difficulty yeah and I think that's the privilege as well and I think like I remember for me when I was doing my PGCE and I was going for interviews. I was coming back down. I did my PGC in Brighton. So I was coming back down to London for interviews. And I remember I had braids for the whole year. So it's when I stopped relaxing my hair and I was like, well, I was having braids. And mm. then I was going for all these interviews and getting really good feedback and all of that stuff. So my mum and dad were like, okay, well, you're not getting these jobs. So why don't we try and, um, you know, maybe try a weave or something and see if you can get a job and I think it's those kind of things where it's it's quite peak though isn't it yeah where we're thinking right I have to try and change myself to these European centric standards isn't it basically well this is it I remember when I was at uni and like so um third year of uni when everybody was like going for internships and trying Mm. to get their graduate job and a lot of my um uni friends at the time were saying they would never go to an interview with braids they would always have a weave and they would never wear their natural hair like they said that outright but they would never interview with braids in all their natural hair they would always go with a full weave and yeah a straight one as well to keep it to keep it classy and I was just like really and they were just like yeah we'd never wear braids Mm. for an interview and I was kind of, and it just never occurred to me that people would have to do that because yeah. I've never worn, I've never worn a weave, I've never worn, you know, a wig and that stuff. 
I've always had my natural hair. Yeah. And then I started to think consciously about how I style my hair for particular mm. things because I think they they didn't want to see you as too black, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> if you have a particular <laughs> hairstyle, like, whoa, she's black. Like, yeah, I am. So I think that's definitely an issue. And I feel like the students feel the same way mm. as well because there's been lots of stuff in the news recently and just over time of particular hairstyles being banned yeah in school and the hairstyles people have argued that effectively they are hairstyles that minorities would wear yeah but also even calling our hairstyles some of the ones that we have unprofessional but they're not even realizing um and i'm trying to understand the history i think that's kind of for me is people having that lack of understanding it's so important that us as teachers are engaging and understanding because outside of the home we are the next people that students look up to we are the people that are responsible for empowering us and really even if the kids don't know it that's what our jobs are yeah well that you know for me that is my main thing obviously I'm there to educate and teach my subjects but also I need to be creating safe spaces for students and I need to be empowering them because it is kind of the things that they're told and how they're treated in school that kind of leads to how they see themselves. Education is so important because we're in school from, you know, nursery all the way up until 18. So those years are so fundamental to young people because it really kind of shapes their experience. And we do have... Um, a really important role because I think the kind of language we use with students and their experiences that can kind of make or break them basically you know it's especially I think we know as teachers that it's not an easy job we can you know when I was doing my PGC you know you're getting all these all this training on certain things it's very different to actually being in the classroom and putting things into practice so we know that you have difficult students where you think oh my god it's you know like I just can't get through this and there's difficult lessons and there's um kind of topics that you don't even want to teach so we know you know this is a podcast not just where we're just talking but it's actually teachers talking teachers who um have gone through these experiences we know that there's things where it's kind of difficult they're saying one thing then it's putting it into practice isn't it it's very different well this is it and as you said like our jobs as educators obviously is to teach other subjects but also to make sure that these young people are ready for the wider world Mm. and feel comfortable and confident in their skin and have the right language to articulate themselves and I think that you know, I was teaching my A-level sociology class and one of them made a comment, which I won't say the comment, but they made a comment, which it, it could be deemed as as racist, but mm-hmm. ignorantly, she didn't mean it in that way. Yeah. But I had to give her a little bit of an education about, you know, racism and about the language that we use when mm-hmm. we're talking about people from particular parts of the world. 
And she was just like, but miss, if that's my opinion, you know, why can't I just say it? And I said, well, this is the thing. If we all go around just saying our our opinions and not being held accountable, then what kind of world are we going to live in? Mm. No, it's People, it's going to be sexist people actually have to be held accountable. And my job is to make sure you have the right language to articulate yourself. And what you just said is not the right language. Yeah. So sometimes you do have to have those uncomfortable conversations yeah. with your students, even when they mess it up. Because we're always talking about, you know, our white counterpart teachers who are problematic, but actually yeah. sometimes students themselves are problematic no, exactly. because they don't have the language to articulate themselves yeah. and they end up saying the wrong things. I think it's our job to teach them um, as well as our colleagues to use the right language when we're talking yeah. about it so that everybody feels safe and safe and comfortable yeah in the spaces um that they're in because as you said when you do your P- pgce or like i did the teacher training through the schools direct a lot of the stuff that happens in the classroom you can't really cover mm. at university because it's such a like individual experience yeah can't like set up the classroom setting outside of the classroom exactly the podcast we're literally talking about our real experiences that have happened in a real classroom exactly we're not just making this stuff up no Um, because a lot of people don't know what happens inside the classroom they think our job is easy you just go in you just teach and then you get 30 (laughs) <laughs> we wish we left at 3 30 exactly and i think you feel bad when you leave at 3 30 have you exactly. ever have you ever finished work early like you don't have much to do you're thinking let me just leave early today and just have an early day and you feel bad as you leave and you see colleagues still in the classroom or you yeah. see FLT and you're leaving and you're just like hmm, maybe i shouldn't leave yet that happens a lot yeah i think that happens a lot and i think also even kind of what you said about having the uncomfortable conversations with students. And I think there's been so much kind of on social media and everything that's been going on over the last few weeks with, I think, us as a community kind of speaking a lot more about our experiences. Because I think when you're holding it in, that is exhausting itself. And I think when we speak about our experiences, for example, like you and I, we're just sharing it together or we're sharing it with other black teachers um, because we know sometimes those there is no um safe space sometimes and i think going back to the whole thing about kind of calling out people calling out people it doesn't even have to be shouting out or saying it in a rude way it's literally saying oh do you know actually how you said that or how you spoken about that student or kind of what you said there it's inappropriate like here's the correct language to use and i think it's so important that we now start having these conversations which can be uncomfortable but we need to start with um staff and us as actually teachers having these conversations because there's been so many kind of talks that I've been um watching and listening to over the last week about you know decolonizing the curriculum and changing the curriculum but we can't change the curriculum when the mindset of teachers aren't changing because they're the ones who are teaching this curriculum and I think it's down to every single teacher to want to fight racism and when we're saying fighting it tackling it and even if that's you know calling out a student like you've done and I've done that before with students a number of times and it doesn't even have to be shouting it can literally be a conversation it's as simple as that 
No, definitely. And I think the best thing is that it doesn't involve shouting. Yeah. And it doesn't involve sort of a scolding or a telling off. Mm. It's literally just a, okay, this is what you said. This is how you can say it better. And this is why this is better if you say it this way. And then you just move on. Exactly. Like a big thing. And I think simultaneously with what you were saying about um, the different talks and like Zoom calls that have been going on recently about the education system and racism and all of that good stuff. I was speaking to somebody yesterday um, and they were asking, you know, what, what things do you think we need to do um, in terms of tackling racism in education? Mm. I said, well, firstly, we could throw the whole curriculum away. Trust me. That that's going to happen is highly low. Yeah. But I said, what we need to do is work with the teachers and their mindset because you can change the curriculum and you can make it more ethnically diverse. But if I'm a teacher who doesn't appreciate the diversity of my classroom and of the curriculum, I'm not necessarily going to teach that content well. Mm. And actually, you have to remember that a lot of the teachers, they are not educated um, in diverse areas of the curriculum. Mm. So there's a lot of history teachers who I've worked with and the history that they've done at university is all Eurocentric history. So if you change the history curriculum and put, you know, Asian history, Caribbean history, African history into the curriculum, just because they're history teachers, you assume that they can teach everything and anything. When the reality is some teachers actually haven't come into contact with diversity in their own studies. Mm. You've actually got to work with the teachers themselves. It's like there's some music teachers who don't know about any other sort of um, composers or Mm. uh, musicians aside from the European ones that we all know, like the Beethovens and the whoever's. And it's like, okay, but anybody else from any culture, any other backgrounds? I think you're completely right that we have to get the teachers to change their mindset. There has to, there has to be CPD on inclusion, yeah. on diversity, on the curriculum. You know, curriculum leaders actually themselves need to go on CPD courses on diversity and inclusion for the curriculum and bring it back to their departments and start making the changes because otherwise nothing's going to really happen. No. Some teachers need to relearn themselves. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's so important, especially in schools that are diverse, like the ones that we've taught in, and especially like the one that we went to. But also, it's even more important in those schools that are far out of London, where you've got just a handful of black children in the whole school. Um, It's really important that we're having these discussions with children and staff all around because at the end of the day, when we go to university, like my experiences of racism didn't happen at school. We went to a very diverse school. Um, so for those that are listening who don't know Jamila um, and I, we went to school together and our school was incredibly diverse where you're seeing children from all um, backgrounds flourishing regardless of their race and their ability. So it was kind of when I went to um, university, that's when I had my first experience of racism and um, microaggressions. And then that has then continued. It wasn't from um, being at school. And I think it's then the people that you interact with at university, what kind of schools were they going to? What kind of education were they getting Agreed. at home and at school? What kind of language 
um have they been told that it's acceptable to use you know have they ever been called out because some people can go through their whole life without ever being called out and then you know getting mm-hmm. called out by someone and realizing oh actually I have been racist yeah no definitely yeah. there's an ignorance amongst some people because they just don't know I think when we were in school black students and Asian students were the majority the reality is we didn't actually go to school with much white children mm. I could count in from our year group the number of white students on my hands because yeah. there weren't there weren't many and I think what we had in school which a lot of young people don't have today is a very strong sense of self mm. like we we came from, you know, families who were very supportive, who had already instilled in us a strong sense of self. Yeah. So even when we went to school and we came across problematic teachers, it just did not knock us mm. because our sense of self was so strong. Yeah. And I feel like young people today, they don't have that, like any interaction and they're offended, they're crying, they're mm-hmm. bunking the lesson because they just can't cope with that teacher. Whereas yeah. we weren't. We weren't, we weren't like that. We had a different sort of um, mentality and we were taught by predominantly white teachers. Yeah. And we still didn't have um, that issue. So I think it, it, I think the generations that we're teaching today are completely different to say our generation. Yeah. And I think that like even the teachers, we talk about like schools that only have a small amount of black kids. What about the, the schools that have loads of black students or other minority groups of students but the teaching staff is all European yeah and they none of them actually lived in London because a lot of people come from like the countryside yeah to teach or somewhere exactly because they want to be paid the London waiting nobody wants that outer fringe pay when you're a teacher so you're coming into London to teach in these urban inverted commas inner city schools um but you've never come across a black person in your life exactly exactly and already all you have is stereotypes to go by exactly and all they've got to go by us is our stereotypes from again what they're seeing on mainstream media which we know that's a completely different conversation for another day that we know we're not represented (laughs) fairly in the media that's a that's a whole different yeah we don't have time for that today we don't even have time for that (laughs) But we'll make time for it on another, on another, yeah. But no, I think it's, yeah, I think there's a lot of learning that needs to take place Mm. in the education system. And I think there should be more forums whereby experiences are shared. Because I, I feel like if you're not a PGC student or a, a trainee teacher, or you're not an NQT, then you don't have lots of opportunity to speak to people in the similar position as you um, to share your experiences. Because I think when you're training or an NQT, you spend a lot of time with other trainees and other yeah. NQTs where you have to discuss things. And I think the more you go on in your teaching career, there's less opportunity yeah. to discuss. And actually what we need to do is provide more opportunities to discuss because when we realize that we're all having a shared and similar experience 
maybe then we will all actively start trying to do something about it. Yeah. But when you think it's just you, it's like sometimes where, you know, I've had a rubbish day at work and then I've had a conversation with you and you said, no, Jamila, I've experienced this too. In a way, I feel like, well, if it's not just me and somebody else feels this way, then clearly there's a problem. So clearly it does need to be addressed and it's, it I'm does. just not making it up in my head. So I exactly. think if we have more conversations and discussions, then maybe, you know, other people will also feel like they can address issues that arise and not feel like they're the only ones yeah. who have these problems because they're, they're very universal. It, they're universal and it's not even just in teaching it's in even just from speaking to my friends who are in other professions so this is a worldwide problem it that itself is a problem and I think teaching it is so isolating anyway it can be such an isolating experience because sometimes you're you know if you've got a problem with a particular student or um, a particular topic or just particular thing in general it can feel like an isolating thing where you think well actually I'm not sure on that I don't really kind of want to ask anyone for help. And then on top of that, being a teacher of colour, that already increases how you feel. And teaching can actually be, it's a great profession, but it can also be lonely where you have not even interacted with any people other than children all day as well, I think, especially when you haven't got that support network um, inside school and outside of school, that kind of is you know adds to you feeling a lot more isolated I think that's why it's important you know even when you and I were talking sometimes about our days but even having kind of someone at work like an ally and I've always found that it's kind of been someone that's a lot older who's kind of experienced again this is we're showing the system has not changed at all because you know you're speaking to older teachers and they're like yeah I've um, especially older black female teachers they then have experienced the same thing so I'm thinking wow so they're what a good 10 20 years older than me and And then I've experienced exactly what they've experienced so the system has not changed people will not change the system that they're continuously benefiting from no 100% I agree I think the system is very much the same probably even worse now because a lot of the stuff are undercover yeah it's not as blatant as maybe it was when our parents were in school and I think that yeah teaching as you said is a very isolating and very lonely profession because nobody understands it unless they're a teacher yeah I find it's one of those professions that you only know if you know and even my sister, my sister's a nurse, and I even feel like with that profession, again, very isolating. Only another nurse would know how you feel. Yeah. Same with teaching. Only another teacher would understand. And I feel like because of that, it makes it a little bit more difficult, especially if you don't have um, like supportive colleagues mm. in the school that you work in because that really helps break up your day so you don't feel like you're with the students the whole day on your break and on your lunch you can actually go into your tea room or your staff room and actually speak to your colleagues feel relaxed have a break and then go back into the classroom and I feel like if you don't have the opportunity to do that it makes the job a thousand times more difficult 
because I've been in schools where I haven't had that support and my day has just felt like a week <laughs> literally the yeah, day has felt true. like a week it's just too much and then in other schools that I've been in my day feels great yeah because you know break time you go and see your colleague mm. in the classroom two doors down have a bit of banter yeah. go back and teach lunchtime you go and see your other colleague friend in another department have a bit of banter have your lunch go back and teach and you just feel like your day has been much more broken up fulfilling and less sort of pressurized yeah so I completely agree with the whole idea of teaching teaching being a bit lonely and so I think it's vital that we have these spaces to have such conversation so otherwise people will leave the profession yeah why people leave the profession because it's just it's draining and it's lonely exactly and it can make you unhappy do you remember when we went to the young black teacher network dinner at lunch christmas week? yes and they said that um most teachers after they retire they die yeah that's not me I, i'm <laughs> well, not even trying to have that happen to me but it's true it's true (laughs) because you know it's it is it's straining it's like you said you kind of need those that support I think even when we were at that um the young black teachers network brunch and it was obviously for young black teachers and we were shocked like the whole day we just kept looking around like wow there's like there's loads of us there's loads of literally you forget that because we're so separated um mm-hmm. from each other you think oh my god so it's even sometimes that excitement of when you are at work and you see another black teacher you kind of get excited don't you like oh my god oh hundred percent we because... automatically have we can we're automatically relatable even though obviously we're all different um you know black people we are all exact completely different we all have different interests etc but it's there's still that relatability of you being like a black teacher no agreed I mean I I even at the current school that I work at there's a few people there there's one person who works there who I knew beforehand Mm -hmm. and just having that person who understands what I'm talking about when I say it highly useful another person in my department who's also black who I come to her and I have random political discussions and she just gets it yeah it's like a dream come true yeah no no honestly it honestly is like um at my current school one of my um really good friends who's another black teacher and we just I just you know I can come in and we can talk about insecure or we can talk about you know are you going to this party we can all have you heard of this and we get the culture straight away and it's just I just feel relaxed I don't need to think in advance about what I'm gonna of the words I'm gonna say like I can just literally say you just feel relaxed don't you and I think because we don't have a lot of time in the day to relax just having those five minute morning conversations has a positive impact on the rest of my day definitely it does I I, I agree when you don't have to think about we don't have to police your own conversations and you can kind of speak pretty freely Mm. I think that makes a lot of difference and it says a lot about the space and um, that you're in and the level of comfort that you feel within yeah. that space definitely so that's it guys that's the end of the first episode of the teacher talk podcast
podcast. Thank you for listening. This was just an introductory episode um, and we have a lot more things to come, a lot more different insights to share and a lot more other people and other allies bring in to share their experiences. So in the meantime, please do check out our Instagram page at Teacher Talk Podcast. Follow, like, share and tell a friend to tell a friend and we will be back with lots more episodes in the future. Thank you.